This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Did you ever wonder how doctors used to treat hysteria in women? Join me tonight when we turn the tables on that subject and others in this secret society known as sex. You know, the one where everyone's doing it and no one's talking about it except yours truly, of course, every Sunday night on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. This show is, of course, more than a sex show. I just try and seduce you with the sex thing to get you to listen to information about health, relationships, love, and your body. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath, a registered nurse in the field of sexual health, author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other, researcher, blogger, clinician, TED speaker, and your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex and health. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and certainly no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex, love, your body, and health. Let's hope for you it will be illuminating, educational, getting get you thinking outside of the box, and have a little fun in the meantime. So do stay with me. There is an aspect of sexual health that is dark, and that is sexual abuse, unwanted sexual advances, pedophilia, and rape. Of course, for any of you who have been sexually abused, you are never far from my heart. I wish you all the best on your healing journey, and I keep you in my thoughts and prayers. And my thoughts and prayers are also going out tonight to the 37,000 people who have been evacuated from their homes in our beautiful province because of the wildfires. Um, I We're thinking of you. We're hoping there's a, a, a big storm, a big rainstorm coming in. Um, never have I prayed for rain so much. Uh, do remember to put the kitties to bed. Listener discretion is advised. We are going to be talking about SEX. Good evening, Matt. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks, yourself? Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Yes, yeah. So here we are, another another Sunday night, another They just keep talk. coming, hey? They do. It's they always do. Sunday. It's Groundhog Day. <laughs> One after another. If you have a uh, question for us at all, give us a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Matt will be happy to take your calls, and uh, I'll be happy to speak to you as well. Uh, We have a great program tonight. I'm very excited about uh, one of our subjects. Remember, you have put those children to bed. We're going to be talking about a new play in town at the Ensemble Theater. It is called In the Next Room, and it is a historical perspective. It's touching, it's illuminating, it's funny, it's educational, it's everything you want it to be. Uh, and it's playing over the summer along with a few other plays as well. But uh, Dr. Lori Brotto is in the studio tonight. She is a regular contributor to this program, and she is also a colleague and a friend of mine, and she's a brilliant woman. What she does for women's health, I cannot overstate. Uh, she's amazing. I have all the respect in the world for her and all the time in the world, and I'm glad she has the time for us tonight because we're going to be talking about this subject and how doctors used to treat Hysteria in women makes you want to fake hysteria. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Um, women don't get hysterical. I don't get hysterical. Um, and also we have the uh, uh, one of the actresses, in fact, the main actress, the star of the show, is joining us as well. And uh, the owner over at the Ensemble Theater also. And we're going to talk to him about why he decided to choose this particular play in and amongst some other plays that are playing over there. So we're talking a little bit more about that shortly. 
Um, if you've ever listened to this program before, you may have heard me sing. Hopefully that didn't turn you off immediately. <laughs> but guess what? You don't have to know how to sing in order for it to put a smile on your face and for you to have a better mood and feel better and be more connected, have your heart in sync with that other person. So I'm going to be reviewing some research about that tonight. Also going to be talking about, as you know, I'm a registered nurse. My background is in reproductive and sexual health. I was the head nurse over at uh, one of the community hospitals here, and I was very interested in the reduction of cesarean rates, or, or not necessarily the reduction, because sometimes cesarean section is not bad medicine necessarily, and that's certainly a controversial subject, but we're not going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about whether you take a proactive or a reactive approach to care for women in labor, and what does that do to health outcomes. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later on in the program. And must I warn you again, do not send, this is where maybe the kids should be listening, the teenagers anyway, do not send naked pictures to your boyfriend, girls and ladies, never ever. And I will tell you why. It actually can be a criminal offense for people to engage in what is called revenge pornography or non-consent pornography uh, over the Internet. So we're talking about that uh, little case in the States happening now with Misha Barton. So uh, it's never, ever a good idea, no matter how much you trust them today, because it could change down the road. And also there was a very interesting article in the New York Times about addiction and the white-collar professions. And you'd be surprised. We have... We seem to have a little bit of a, an addiction to a drug called denial when we look at the white-collar professions. We associate addiction with marginalized people, lower socioeconomic people. That is not necessarily the case. Addiction does not discriminate, nor does mental illness. It affects all, but there seems to be a big secret uh, about addiction in some of these. And also people don't necessarily know the signs of addiction. And guess what? Addicts, are they lie. Nothing against uh, addicts, but it's part of the of the addiction. It is part of life as an addict is to just easily lie, especially to people that they love. And speaking about people who lie, what are some of the signs that you might be sleeping with the devil? Well, I'm going to tell you what to look out for if you think you're having a relationship with a narcissist. You just might be. Uh, we have lots of... Uh, other subjects, and I have lots of emails as well uh, to read to you. And thank you so much for your emails. And there was one email I had a call last week uh, from a woman, Marion. Do you remember she called last week, Matt? And you know, someone else emailed in a response to her wanting to help Marion. I love humanity sometimes. I'm glad to hear that because sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I called Marion after the show, to be honest with you, and had a long conversation with her. Um, because, you know, sometimes people just need to talk. They just need to get it off their chest. And, you know, I was driving home, and, and, and she was quite surprised that, uh, that I did that. But, you know, sometimes you just want to run things by somebody else. And, but was, was my heart ever lifted when I got this email? It was actually a message on Facebook um, uh, helping. He said, I want to help your caller, Marianne. And I'll read that, that email to you tonight. But uh, we're going to go to break right now. But you have, if you have a question, of course, Dr. Lori Brado is in the studio, and she will answer your questions as well about sexuality. Uh, you can give us a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I am Maureen McGrath, and you are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's always my pleasure to be here with you, especially tonight when I have Dr. Lori Brado in the studio. Uh, I have a few other guests as well. I want to make sure that you've put the children to bed. Just double check that. Make sure they're asleep and away from the uh, radio or the computer right now. Um, we're going to be talking about women's sexual pleasure. Uh, you, you mentioned vibrators, and, and I'm going to tell you a little story here. I was I had a little declutter in my home this week, and uh, going through all of my closets and getting through. <laughs> that sounded bad. All of my closets, yes, <laughs> I do have a few, um, and getting rid of things that were old or tired or any anything I wasn't going to wear, and coats and dresses and everything, and reorganizing everything. And uh, she put her hand in a pocket and. Out popped a vibrator. Yes, you guessed it. And she said, in all of the thousands of hours and hundreds of homes I have decluttered, I have never so much as taken a vibrator out of somebody's coat pocket. And I thought, well, I might get stranded somewhere for crying out loud. Need, a girl needs a little de-stressor. Um, but anyway, I am going to give that vibrator. It's still in its package, I want you to know. So I'm giving that vibrator out on the show tonight. Um, you can give us a call a little bit later on in the program. Um, but, uh, you know, is that a surprise? An estimated one-third of adult American women now own at least one personal massager, shall we say, for the um, those who have not put their children to bed yet. Um, because these devices uh, enhance uh, the a woman's experience with an orgasm. and um, But in the past, these devices used to be uh, a medical device, and in fact, doctors use them to treat the condition hysteria in women. Now, hysteria historically has been defined as something very different that's actually not a medical condition. Let me just, that's a little news flash there. To talk a little bit further about this is Dr. Lori Brado. She is a sex researcher at the University of British Columbia. She's also a women's health expert. Welcome to the show, Dr. Brado. Thanks for having me, Maureen. I'm so glad that you are here. Um, the that you are here. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here as well, it's Maureen. Wonderful Great to, to have be you, here. Dr. Brado. So uh, tell me a little bit about, um, in this first little segment, we're going to be talking about the history of treatment of certain conditions of women and really the history of the vibrator, the personal massager, as when they're imported into this country, that's what they're called. Um, so how, I mean, they weren't far off. Like, I imagine some of the symptoms of hysteria were anxiety, sleeplessness, pain, um, you know, dealing with life's stressors. And so why don't you carry on with the rest of it? Absolutely. <laughs> so you're absolutely right that in the mid to late 1800s, um, hysteria was considered to be a formal medical diagnosis. Um, and it has Latin roots, which uh, refer to the uterus. And it, and it was thought back in those days that the symptoms of anxiety and restlessness and kind of diffuse chronic pain were due to a wandering uterus. Literally, they believed that the uterus would wander through the body, produce these symptoms of anxiety and depression and sadness, etc. Um, and the condition was labeled hysteria. And of course, we know today that that diagnosis absolutely does not exist. But at that time, it was considered to be a very serious medical diagnosis that could only be treated by a trained physician. And how did that trained physician treat this medical condition of the time, of the late 1800s? Well, in the early stages of treatment, the physician would use 
his hand and apply uh, pressure to induce pelvic massage. And the pelvic massage would give rise to something called a paroxysm. Now, over time, they discovered that this took a great deal of effort. The poor physician's hand would get tired. Uh, and so one they developed... One woman after another? One woman after another. Okay. With hysteria. Uh, and, and so <laughs> they developed um, a vibrator to make this uh, much more efficient uh, in terms of time and also increase the amount of pressure placed on the physician's poor hand. So this was the development of the first ever vibrator. The first vibrator indeed was developed to treat hysteria in women. Uh, so women would make an appointment with their doctors. They would go in into um, a very private medical setting, sit up on their, uh, on their um, bed, put their feet in the stirrups, and under the sheets, the physician would apply this vibrator onto the woman's clitoris until she had this full body release. Of course, they called it a paroxysm. We know today that they were eliciting an orgasm. And this was a, a large device. This was a very big device at, at the beginning and not the size of the little one found in my pocket, decluttering. That's right. <laughs> During was, my decluttering time. It was a very, very large device and um, and had to, it, had a, it was quite heavy as well. Um, and so although it was much more efficient to use this device than the physician's own hand, um, over time, this evolved into much smaller, handier uh, battery-operated vibrators. That's right. And, you know, with women who were diagnosed with this hysteria, you know, this, these are chronic conditions, basically, anxiety and sadness, loneliness, um, heart racing, uh, sleepless nights, maybe even night sweats were thrown in there. Um, how often would they be going to see their doctor for this treatment? So they would typically be told to do this once per week. Um, and it's quite interesting because we know that anxiety and depression and other similar mood states certainly do create physical tension in the body, in the pelvic floor muscles, as well as the other muscles in the body. And we also know that orgasms induce this immediate relaxation response throughout the entire body. The parasympathetic nervous system takes over. Uh, there's a huge flurry of the well-being kinds of neurotransmitters like oxytocin and others. So uh, we know today that the orgasms induce this kind of short-term beneficial effect. And it was thought back in the late 1800s that this induced this kind of permanent curing of this medical disease of hysteria. And in which, of course, it did not um, well, um, it, the women certainly felt better they afterwards. Did, but but uh, the jury's probably <laughs> out on just how long-lasting that treatment was. And hence, it, the women kept coming back for their weekly treatments. Yes, and maybe mm -hmm. could have used daily treatments as well. Or, you know, many women um, self-stimulate or use a personal massager daily or a few times a week. Uh, and, and in fact, I've spoken to a lot of patients in my clinical practice, and you probably have as well, that have realized the benefits of doing this, and uh, in, in particular with a particular device, and also realize that that's helpful for them. And they've been able to add that in with exercise and eating well and cutting down on alcohol and cutting out sugar. And that that little cocktail, if you will, is very beneficial for decreasing anxiety, helping them to deal with a difficult situation, um, and many other aspects of this formerly called condition called hysteria that we now know does not exist. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned earlier, Maureen, that up to a third of women might actually own a, a personal vibrator. Large study that came out of the Kinsey Institute last year uh, that surveyed women across ages, women well into their 60s, 70s and beyond. And it found um, at least 80% of the women uh, reported masturbating regularly for any variety of, of, of reasons, including the reasons that you indicated. And also it's something that women uh, are not dependent on a partner in order to enjoy that kind of physical pleasure. Absolutely. And so we're going to take this, we're going to go to the break, and we're going to take this, and we're going to then talk about the play that is coming to Vancouver uh, in the next room. And we have the star of the show and also the art director. I am Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Maureen McGrath here. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. It's a, it's always my pleasure to have you here with me. And, of course, we have Matt here. So if you have any calls, give us a call, 604. Any questions, I mean, give us a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I'm here in the studio with Dr. Lori Brado. If you're just joining us Dr. Lori Brado is a sex researcher and expertise has expertise in female sexuality. She is from the University of British Columbia. Um, and we've been talking about the history of personal massagers for women and how doctors used to treat a, a condition that was actually never a medical condition, uh, hysteria, uh, with vibrators. And women were suggested to come in for this treatment about once a week to treat the hysteria that may have had associated symptoms like anxiety or sleeplessness, heart palpitations, sweating, hot flashes, whatever, had all fell into uh, the condition that was thought of in the late 1800s as hysteria. It was thought that the uterus was wandering around the body causing these symptoms. Well, the reason I've invited Lori Brado into the studio, not because she's amazing, because she is, that's one reason, but the other reason is because there's a new play in town. There's a new play in town. (laughs) I'm going to talk about singing later. Uh, And it's called In the Next Room, otherwise known as The Vibrator Play by Sarah Rule. It's been nominated for three Tony Awards, uh, is my understanding. And so Lori is going to be, this is playing throughout the summer on various dates, but on August 2nd, there's going to be a post-show Talk back with Dr. Lori Brado, and she will be there to answer your questions. Uh, and I'm sure you'll have lots after the show. Uh, so thanks for staying in the studio, Dr. Brado. But we're also joined by the artistic director, Tarek Lindsay. Leslie. Leslie. <laughs> he mouthed it. I didn't get it. I'm blonde. Okay. No, no. <laughs> Tarek Leslie, and also one of the main characters, Lindsay Nelson. I got that right, right? Yes, you did. Okay, so we're probably all, you're probably all just as curious as I am. How did this, how did this come to be, this play? Um, So Tarek, as artistic director, and what uh, made you decide to bring this play to the Ensemble Theatre Company? in the 5th Annual Summer Repertory, Repertory Festival, along with A Prayer for Owen Meany and Master Class. Um, what, what made you um, pretty daring for you to bring a vibrator play here into this little theater? Well, I do, I do like uh, doing plays that uh, explore the human condition, that explore that... I, oh, there's, a, there's a general uh, tenant that I have when I'm choosing plays and, and, and how I want the plays done when we, when we do them, and that's... 
I kind of believe in this this notion that uh, Oscar Wilde is supposed to have said this, that people don't change, only hats and adjectives change. <laughs> and, uh, and I sort of feel that whether it's a 300-year-old play or a 10-year-old play, uh, who we are hasn't changed significantly in terms of what drives us, you know, the emotions that stir us and things like that. We become more technologically adept. Uh, our understanding is greater. But, but the very things that drive us in our core tend not to change a little bit. That, that's what I believe anyway. So I, I like plays that explore various human dynamics. And I knew nothing, actually, of Sarah Rule, and I knew nothing of the Tony Awards in this particular case, which is odd because I'm fairly, you know, I keep Artistic. on top of that. <laughs> but what, what happened was two seasons ago when the, when the summer wrapped, I went for my vacation to Portland, Oregon. And uh, in Powell's books, I happened to see the, this book sitting in the play section. And I started thumbing through it, and I was just captivated by it took it then into the Powell's Cafe because they let you do that and uh, about an hour later I thought I just still couldn't put it down I better buy this and uh, and I did and uh, it just spoke to me on so many different levels just about just how poignant it is and how touching it is and that's strictly on the page not having seen any other productions at that point um yeah, and it, it just resonated with me, and I thought we have to do this. Fantastic, and I have to see this. I have not seen this yet, but I am going on Thursday evening <laughs> Fantastic. Um, to see this, so I so look forward to seeing In the Next Room or the Vibrator Play at the Ensemble Theatre Company. Also, Lindsay Nelson is here, and uh, she is... The doctor who performs this medical procedure. I'm actually his. Uh, I mean, the doctor's. Wife. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I was saying. The doctor who performs this medical procedure's wife, which is probably grammatically incorrect. I put the <laughs> apostrophe s <laughs> at the end, but that's okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so you are the wife of the doctor who delivers this treatment in the play. Yes, I am. So is this a little bit of a, a far-reaching role for you, or have you? Um, this was it is a difficult role for me. Um, there's a lot of openness that is required for this part, specifically, uh, especially with performing paroxysms, orgasms on stage in front of an entire audience. So you're you're the wife of the doctor who performs these. So yes. are you? Do you assist him as well? As, no, oh no, no, I'm oh no. not allowed near his office whatsoever. Oh, I see. Um, because it's very scientific, a doctor wouldn't do anything on his wife at all. Not allowed. Okay. Um, but, of course, I get very curious about what's going on in this room and all the sounds that are coming from this room and, and the vibrating and the moaning and what's going on. So And the smiling faces that are walking out of the office after. Exactly. Everyone else is so <laughs> They've seen happy. the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Never Very been happy. so happy to see a doctor in my life. No, just <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a different role for you then. Not, it is. Not, it's not your typical role. Uh, no, no, I would say not. Not and, quite so much. And Dr. Brado, what do you think? Why do you think this is such an important play to bring to Vancouver? And uh, and thank you so much in advance for hosting the post talk. Um, yes, evening definitely. on August 2nd. Um, it's a great opportunity for people to learn more and, and have their questions answered. But uh, why is this important to come to Vancouver? Well, the, the play is absolutely brilliant. I mean, there are so many themes that emerge around women's sexuality, women's pleasure. There are other themes around infertility, um, 
uh, ethnic minority women, breastfeeding, homosexuality, yeah. sexually transmitted infections. I could go on and on. But I think one of the really important uh, kind of themes that runs throughout the play is how historically women's sexuality was so medicalized, mm. right? So n- not once is the word orgasm mentioned um, in the play. It's referred to as paroxysm, and it's referred to as treating a disease. Mm. And there's actually been a very long history of medicalizing women's sexuality. What do I mean by that? Well, this idea that um, sexuality in women serves in a very kind of procreative way. Women's sexuality is meant purely so the woman can get pregnant and it serves no other role. And although it's 2017 and and, uh, many believe that uh, culture has very much changed and we live in a very pro-sexual culture, there's many of those still lingering taboos around uh, uh, women feeling pleasure and, and really not being allowed to feel pleasure. So this play sort of, you know, it, that kind of smacks you in the face with these historical depictions of women's medicalization around their sexuality that I think in some ways still persist today. I, I think it does. And certainly uh, that's been, it's been alleged that some of the drug companies have medicalized low sexual desire in women in particular, um, for one. Um, Lindsay, back to you. Uh, what do your friends think of you performing in this play? <laughs> <laughs> performing, mm-hmm. I use the word, <laughs> quote unquote. There are a few who refuse to come, definitely. No they- pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> nope. We have to be so careful about what we say in rehearsal now. Just everything is a pun. Um, yeah, I have a few who don't really want to see the show at really? all. Yeah. Wow. Um, and and what, 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 what are the reasons? Um, I think they're gonna, just going to be embarrassed, which is really sad. <laughs> is that uh, I right? think it has a lot to say. Is it, are they women? No, men. They're men. Definitely. Oh, very interesting. Yep. Now, is that, if <laughs> I can ask, is that because, because of seeing you in the yes. play and seeing this context or facet of you? Definitely seeing see. this facet right, right, of right, me right, right. Uh, and the things that I have to do on stage. Which um, I think is a little bit sad. Well, you're a brilliant actress, and they should know (laughs) that it will be a departure from the real you. Well, yeah, okay. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a few tickets to give out to the show. Absolutely. Um, So if you want to win, how many tickets do you have, Tarek? What we can actually do is we can give away um, two festival passes, which would include In the Next Room, Masterclass, and a prayer for Owen Meany. And that's normally a $75 value. And and all the ancillary programming, talkbacks, brunch brunch lectures and things like that. That, that is do. fantastic. So we'll have the 69th caller to uh, 604-280-9898 nice. <laughs> or star 9898 on your cell to win those uh, those festival passes. <laughs> As uh, Yes. Anyway, well, thank you all for joining me. Dr. Thank Brado, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Maureen. And uh, the August 2nd performance, Dr. Lori Brado will be there in attendance after the show to answer any other questions you may have or your friends may have, Lindsay, um, <laughs> about this uh, play. So I look forward to it. I'll see you there on Thursday night. Thank Thanks, you so much, Maureen. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming into the studio. Pun intended. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you as I do every Sunday evening from the beautiful downtown studio of CKNW and uh, looking out on a gorgeous sunset this evening. It's going to be happening in a little while, but for the moment we're enjoying the sun. Hopefully you are as well. 
Uh, if you are new to this program, if you're just tuning in now, <laughs> don't worry. Uh, I have been known to sing. Okay, I'm not going to sing right now. I just don't have it in me right now to get anything out. I, I have nothing there. I typically will sing when I'm walking down the street or I, I sing at home. When I was growing up, my father used to answer questions with lyrics from songs. Um, so I grew up with singing. I I, I pluck away at the guitar. I uh, <laughs> I pluck away at the piano. Uh, many many members of our family uh, sing and play guitar and play the piano. And I played the accordion as a child. And um, but anyway, music has always been a part of my life. Going to a, an all girls Catholic school, we were trained by the nuns to sing. And um, that doesn't happen too much anymore. So I actually did have formal training. Didn't help much, but uh, but I had it. But uh, so you, you can imagine why I absolutely loved when I saw this research around the neuroscience of singing. And it demonstrated that singing together brings heartbeats into harmony. So two hearts can beat as one. Is that a song? <laughs> I think it is, Matt. <laughs> I think you're right. I think so. Um, but it's just not coming to me right now. But the neuroscience of singing shows that when we sing, our neurotransmitters connect in new and different ways. It fires up the right temporal lobe of our brain, releasing endorphins that make us smarter, healthier, happier, and more creative. And when we sing with other people, this effect is amplified. You know, uh, if you're having difficulty in your relationship, it may be that one of you is is miserable or both of you are miserable. <laughs> I see a lot of miserable people, let me tell you, in my clinical practice, and they just are two miserable people, you know, on a miserable path. But the science is in. And so singing, you know, we might think of things like taking a vacation, it can be expensive, or, you know, getting away downtown at a hotel overnight, that can be expensive too, or, you know, exercising together. But who ever would have thought that singing would be really, really good for you? But that's what the latest research does suggest. So, um, and group singing is even better. It, singing makes you happy. And many studies have demonstrated this. And, and it does, you know, like, I, I mean, basically, <laughs> I don't know, I think I was born happy. I, you know, people ask me all the time, are you, are you like this all the time? And I am, you know, I have to say, I'm, I've got like one level, and this is it. Um, so I don't really get, you know, I, I might get quiet when I'm sleeping or, you know, but I, I think that things like singing do make you happier. Like I feel happy when I've, you know, succeeded at a, at a new song that I've learned or, or if I'm, you know, so music definitely makes me happy, but also singing, you know, if I'm happy, I notice that I'm singing as well. Totally. I've got a few songs on my phone when they come on, when I'm on my way home, like to or from school or work, it's just like... And you are just I'll singing, belt it you out. know Don't every word. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Some of the research lately has shown that singing helps people with depression, reduces feelings of loneliness, it leaves people feeling relaxed, happy, and connected. And these effects are cumulative. And guess what? You don't even have to sing well in order to experience these benefits. People who sing have reduced levels of cortisol, and that is indicative of lower stress levels. Um, so it's, you know what you can sing, um, if you, whether you can sing or not, you know, a lot of people have been told, and I've certainly been told this, you know, you're off key, you have a terrible voice. Um, but I've also been told I have <laughs> a voice, you know, 
voice similar to certain musicians or certain singers that I can't remember the one right now. I'm I'm losing all of. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been singing enough lately, so I'm I'm not really feeling that smart right now. Well, we changed uh, we changed the format of the show a bit, so we don't get to come in with singing anymore. So remember, we don't we didn't always used to go in with the Sunday Night Sexo theme. That's right. That's right. So, so I now don't we don't get, get as much singing from Maureen. No, I don't have as as much experience in singing. But one of the greatest things about singing is, is, as I mentioned, it connects you to the right side of your brain, and this is the side of the brain that is responsible for intuition, your imagination, um, your creativity, and all of your other creative functions. And so you can see how this can ignite things in the bedroom. But, you know, in in our lives today, uh, modern life, as we say, um, we are bombarded with so much information that we need to process, think about, analyze, critically think about. And so we get stuck in the left side or the processing side of our brain. So the ability to sing or just not even the ability to sing, just singing brings you over to that right side of the brain. And so it becomes fundamentally important to nurture that aspect of ourselves that sets us apart from the technology and the computers and the hard work that we do all week long. Anybody who can talk can sing. Uh, Everybody has a voice. There's no, there's very few people that are actually tone deaf. So um, most people have that ability to sing. And, you know, when I was a kid, there were lots of choirs to join. And we were, as I said, we were trained in in school to sing. Um, And you sang at church or around campfires, at school. There's nothing like sitting around with family and friends with a bunch of instruments from, you know, we have drums and guitars and, you know, sitting around singing. And it is such a blast. And it really bonds people. And you notice that, that it bonds people. And initially, people are kind of shy to start. And then all of a sudden, it's, you know, you get going. So don't worry about your singing uh, ability. Singing is very personal. And it's an expression of that sound that comes out of you. So You know, don't let anyone else rent space in your head. If somebody's told you you didn't have a great voice, so what? Who cares? Just sing away because you know it's going to be beneficial for you. As I said, no, very few people are tone deaf. And that means you are unable to even recognize a song. So there's very few people that cannot recognize a song. If you can recognize any song, you are not tone deaf. You are just unpracticed. And don't forget, you can also take singing lessons. Um, So... You know, there's something about training and there's lots of choirs. They seem to be making a resurgence lately. And there's lots of people because I've been actually been invited to participate in a few choirs (laughs) uh, because they haven't heard me sing. But um, I just don't have the time uh, right now in my life. And um, but and and I sing already. Uh, I'm not quite ready to sing with a group. I don't like to sing with other people. I like the stage myself. Uh, (laughs) Kidding, of course. Me on stage, getting all the attention? Never. (laughs) All right, I'm not shy for it. Um, But also singing increases your self-awareness and your self-confidence and your obnoxious quotient (laughs) like mine um, and helps you to be able to communicate better with others, especially your lover. And, you know, anything that reduces stress, comforts you and helps to forge your identity. You know, I am all 
for that. So I just wanted to let you know that singing is valuable. It creates connections. There's some science behind it. I'll post the research study on uh, Twitter and on my website for you a little bit later. Um, so don't underestimate this. Uh, and, you know, I, I actually think singing is integral to our existence. Anyway, hopefully you'll stay with me over into the next hour of The Sex Show. I am Maureen McGrath. You're listening to The Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.